0: Hi everyone, welcome back to season two, episode one of Digging Through Dominoes. I'm your host, Harry Anderson, and in this podcast, we are looking at the dominoes of our past, seeing how they're affecting our present, and how we can reshuffle or build on the ones that have already been laid out for a better, brighter future. This episode is on accountability. Not really your accountability, but my accountability. I had an interview, a podcast interview yesterday with a woman. I'm going to be on her podcast. Her podcast is called Soul Amplified. And it went really well you know, we're talking back and forth and she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm, I can't believe all of this has happened. Well, it's happened. I think I'm pretty numb to my life in a lot of ways. And when I speak of it, and maybe you can identify if you can drop a comment, you can email me, whichever. My life is my life. To me, it's normal. To other people, it's crazy. Chaotic, or maybe not enough. And some, it's just extra. My recent past and moving forward has been much more calm since certain aspects of my life have been eliminated since I've been able to really dive into therapy and see how the dominoes that I was given Really affected me in certain ways now, when we talk about accountability, I am not blaming you know if you go back and listen to the first episode, I mean if you go back and you listen to the first season, I'm sort of laying out who I am, where I've been, how I've been affected now today, for some reason, I actually had another another topic to discuss. But I really felt strongly that I needed to do an episode on taking accountability for my actions. And that is kind of, it's not scary to me anymore. It used to be really scary to take accountability, but I think it's just another step in growth. And I know many of you may be thinking, oh gosh, I don't want to admit everything I've done. Well, you know. It's part of who you are now. It's part of who I am now. Everything that's happened to me, everything I allowed to happen, everything I did, I have chosen to work for the best and to benefit me so I can grow. I don't want to stay stuck where I was. I don't want to stay as broken as I was when I first broke. I don't want to be afraid anymore. And in this time off between seasons, I really started thinking about my accountability. The things I did that I ended up pulling dominoes for other people. And now they're having to deal with the dominoes that I laid out for them. Did I think I was doing the best thing? Most of the time I did with good intention. Was I doing the best thing? (laughs) Does anyone? You know, I think we go about it with wanting the best. And we try to pivot from the way we were brought up. And sometimes we allow that pendulum to swing too far. I was one of those. I had a lot of fear. I dealt with fear my entire life. I was afraid I was not good enough. I was afraid I couldn't do anything on my own. I was afraid my kids were going to die of cancer. I was afraid of so many things. And in trying to keep my children from falling into the pitfalls that I fell into, I went the complete opposite of my parents. And I was pretty strict, much more than I should have been. Then again, you know, I have to put the qualifier in. I had a lot of kids to try and take care of. And that's something else that's going to come up in a minute because that really affected my core children and not in a good way. And I'm, I'm seeing that now. You know, my young adult life was filled with bad judgment with marrying someone because I couldn't go home. I knew I couldn't go back to my parents. So I got married. All these things happened to me and I found I was pregnant and I got out of there. That alone tells you I wasn't thinking about me, but I wasn't gonna allow my child to go through the things I had gone through. So I left, went back to my parents and my parents were had a very hands-off approach in parenting. And they were very stern in some ways. In some ways, my brothers and I just had free reign. We we really didn't have boundaries. And I went into my child raising. You know, when I first had my first two kids, we had so much fun. They were little bitty guys and we're running on the beach, taking photographs. I made sure to hug them and love them and kiss them and make sure they knew that they were loved. My parents didn't do that to me. And then we adopted our first son, or our first adopted baby. We adopted him. And I've, and that led to future adoptions. And I've really been thinking about my two kids, my two biological children, and how everything in my life affected them. When I married the man that raised them, he had older kids. One of them in particular was very, very not cool with my kids. And my kids were not believed. And they were pretty much tormented. I was too young. I was thinking about myself, wanting to be married. I thought this person was going to fix me, to save me to be a good dad to my kids. But I didn't look at the full picture. I didn't look to see, hey, this guy just came out of a cult. Hey, he filed for divorce four days before he met me. Hey, he has three teenage sons. And I have two itty bitties. I think my daughter was five at the time, and my son was probably two or three. I didn't stop to think, Terry, you have no idea how to deal with this situation. You're a kid yourself. How old was I when I met him? I was 25 when I met him, which is pretty young, or it was for me. I had a low emotional IQ at that time. I did not think things through. And it really affected lives that I brought into this world. Now their birthdays were lavish. I, for one, was never celebrated as a child on my birthday or on any day. My kids had grand birthday parties. We did all sorts of things. Then we moved to Seattle, Washington. We ended up finally, um, one of my husband's sons was living with us and I was telling him these things that were going on and my kids were telling me things and they weren't feeling safe. And you know, it was just a big, a big messed up batch of no one thinking things through. His kids were hurt. I was too young to realize that. And I don't think I wanted to realize that I was looking for something to fix me. So I kind of put myself and my kids in a bubble. You know, I think because of how young I was, how emotionally insecure I was, how my, I didn't have a great emotional intelligence level at that point, put us all in danger. I'm not discounting anything that anyone else did. I'm going on what I did. I realize now I wasn't in the position in any way to be marrying someone so much older than me. They had three teenagers that were hurting badly because of their divorce. I bring in two kids. His kids felt threatened and therefore my kids were not treated as well as they should have been. There was a guilt complex happening because of the divorce, and so a lot of things were overlooked. I was demanding time because myself, I was a kid. I'm demanding time. And there was this, this whole dynamic that just was unhealthy. Everything about it was unhealthy. Terry, you weren't in a circus. The red flags were there. Why didn't you see them? First of all, he was in a cult. Second of all, he had just filed for divorce four days before I met him. He had three teenagers. I had two itty-bitties. My background was not great. I was not healed. I didn't know what was wrong with me. It was a bad situation in every way. We moved to Seattle, away from my parents, away from really any help I could have had in realizing anything and my parents I don't think would have really stepped in they weren't the type to say oh you know you're not noticing that this is happening they wouldn't they wouldn't have done that at least to me so we were away from everyone he had experience I didn't I did have some but not a lot I tried to make things great for my kids We had our first adopted baby, which was wonderful. Our second adopted baby was my son Joshua that we lost in October of 2021 due to his severe, severe mental illness in his time on the streets of Portland. I feel guilty of that. I know I did everything I could have, but I still feel his death was my responsibility. I guess most moms do. And, you know, things are sailing along. We're doing our thing. We adopted a little girl. We built a house. We were building a life. And things were rocking along. And then, because we had to be in the foster care system, because our daughter was not fully adopted when we left from Washington came came to Oregon we started getting kids and these were kids that were very troubled kids that came from horrific backgrounds and they started calling us to do emergency foster care we're like well okay I guess Um, then they would come into the house and My husband would say, they're not leaving. They're staying. I knew at that point, I had my hands full. I had my two birth children. I had my two adopted boys and my adopted daughter. I knew emotionally I couldn't handle more kids. I told the courts that. I told the social worker that I told my husband that no one listened to me. So we adopted and I tried to put everything into those kids that I could until there came a time I couldn't. There came a time when I did break and I couldn't take care of those kids. And I was trying to save myself because I was drowning. But something I didn't realize until just recently Was the effect that I'm not saying people shouldn't do foster care. I'm saying you better think it through and you need to put your children first in this situation. My kids, my oldest kids, the five of them, were all of a sudden pushed to the background because I was putting out fires continually then I was dealing with Joshua's mental illnesses and all the things that surrounded his autism and everything my oldest daughter was very sick because I was on a medication when I was pregnant with her that they found out later caused intestinal birth defects and she does have you know that's another thing I feel guilty about I know I had no control over it the doctor said it was okay Being myself now, I would have questioned. I question every medication I go on. I didn't question it then. He's a doctor. So, you know, I feel guilty for that. I feel guilty for not being able to hold it together. I feel guilty for not protecting my other children and making absolutely damn sure another child with a horrific upbringing up until that point came into our our home even though the intentions were good I knew it couldn't be done and I feel like I really should have stood up and said stop we can't do this I've got these kids they have to come first and I feel guilty about that the kids that we adopted at at that point from foster care have gone back to their previous lifestyles and I felt You know, the whole time I felt like a babysitter. My husband would get really angry with me. You're not a babysitter. There are children. Why are you not? I said, you know what? I was a babysitter. I did what I could. But in reality, having those kids, I'm not saying the kids themselves. I'm not saying that these kids should never have been adopted or should never have been placed in another home. They just should not have been placed in my home because I was on the edge. I was on the brink with a child with autism. A girl that was in surgery all the time. You know, it 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 was like she should have had her own suite at Johns Hopkins. I already had my plate full and I was homeschooling. And then there were there was this disruption that I should not have allowed. I didn't know any of that at that time. I knew I couldn't handle it, but I didn't realize the damage it was gonna have on my other children. I knew the damage it was going to have on me. And I kind of powered through it. And I resented it. I resent it to this day. But now I understand how it's affected my oldest children. Not in a good way. I also understand that my chosen style of parenting, you know, it kind of evolved. The more kids we had, the more the path had to be strict because you could never be 100 percent sure 100 percent sure who did what I mean the kids that we brought in they were stealing you know my Land Rover was stolen and it was wrecked and to cover that up they slashed the tires of our neighbors that could have killed their kids I had one of them was sneaking out of the house all the time the other one was sneaking out I'm having trying to deal with all of this stuff and keep these kids that really had a different lifestyle than we had had, keep them contained. And in doing so, I neglected my other kids. Two of my kids in particular, I feel very guilty now about not being able to see how they were affected. I should have been able to pick up on the fact, hey, this kid's picking on this kid. This kid's doing this. This kid's doing this. I should have been able to pick up on that, but I didn't. I was in self preservation mode. And if I could go back in time, I would, well, you know, I was going to say I'd change that, but I really, I don't know if I would or not. I mean, if knowing what I know now, if I went back in time, I would definitely not have adopted the last three kids. I think my entire family would have had a better chance of coming out whole and complete then it did you know we're we're a severely fractured family and i think my oldest two children have every right to feel the way they feel they were neglected because i was taking care of kids that weren't taken care of i didn't put my kids first because like i said i was putting out fires and then i broke when i broke I knew, you know, my parents had died. We had all these tragedies, all these things that had happened, all this PTSD, car wrecks, babies born early, babies dying, and trying to, I couldn't really get where, and I think this is a fine line for a lot of moms and dads, I'm sure. I think moms more so, I guess, because I'm a mom, that's the way I'm speaking. There's a very fine line that I've come to realize of when to let go, when to let your kids fly, when to let them fail, when to not say anything. You know, I had watched my grandparents die of smoking-related cancer. Three of my grandparents died before the age of 60 of smoking-related cancer, so it's very predominant in my house my in my family, which scared me to death for my kids. I was too overbearing. I was way too overbearing in that part. There were things I can think of with my oldest daughter that I'm mortified by now that I made her feel the way my parents had made me feel. My oldest son, fun and gregarious and loving and a prankster and a lot of it, he was covering up for low self-esteem. Why? Why? Because I have all these other kids here. He had learning difficulties. He wasn't getting the attention he needed. Then I had Michael, my first baby we adopted, who kind of slid into the background because he was so easy. He was a very easy, easy baby. Then we had Joshua with the autism, and that was hard. We had Nikki with fetal alcohol effects, cocaine effects, things like that. All of these things were impacted for the worse when we adopted the last three kids. Does that mean they didn't deserve a home? No. They deserved a better home than I was able to provide for them. Then when we get to, you know, I'm on board. I'm making sure these kids are having mental health care. I didn't think I needed mental health care. I needed mental health care at that time because I was taking on something that was bigger than me. But I'm the mom. Moms are supposed to fix that, right? My mom never fixed anything. So I need to be the mom that fixes stuff. Well, I I, I go overboard. A lot of things contributed to me breaking that were out of my control. But a lot of things that caused me to break were in my control. I should have sought therapy. I should have done true self-care instead of addictive numbing. I had a very addictive shopping problem. You know, I, I always remember my grandmother telling me, we dress well and we look nice for us, not other people. And I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying that was stuck in my mind. And so I was buying very nice things because I was thinking, and again, I'm just figuring this out. It was going to make me feel better. I couldn't feel better. No matter what I did, I could not feel better. And so that was a huge problem. And I got us into all sorts of problems because of my spending. I can realize that now. Then when I broke, I would go to my dad's or I would go back to Texas. I had been with my dad for the last year that that he lived after my mother was killed and I was going back to Texas two to three weeks a month to be with him. He really needed it at that, at that point. I was still in contact with my kids. I was still flying in. But my dad was a grown man. My kids needed me more. Then after dad died, my foundation crumbled. The only foundation I really felt I had crumbled. And I was scrambling. I st- Didn't know why this happened. I started cutting, hence the tattoos. I was also getting tattoos for therapy. Once I realized this cutting nonsense that ended me up in a a psych ward for a night was just not, when I started to understand the mechanisms behind the cutting, I switched over to tattoos. It still was a form of self-numbing, self-injury placing my emotions in a different place I should have been in therapy. But therapy had such a stigma because I had like truly messed up kids in therapy. And so I'm still seeing therapy as I still had a stigma about therapy. And it wasn't until I ended up in that hospital and they made me seek therapy that I got therapy for myself, but at that point I really couldn't. I was in that freefall mold and mo- mode, and that was in 2008. What did I do? I'm a people person, and I'm trying to numb. I'm flying back to Texas as often as I can, and I'm going out with my friends to bars. I'm going out to gay bars. I'm going out. Uh, A lot of my friends in Texas are lesbians. They're gay. We were going out to all of their bars, having a great, great time, having so much fun. But guess what? It was selfish. My kids were at home having to deal with everything else. My kids were at home having to deal with a child that had almost destroyed our family. There were lies going between everyone one kid would be pitted against another one another one and everyone was getting a different story from this one kid because that's how she grew up she grew up in chaos and she was thriving on destroying things and then we had foster kids that would come in and one tried to kill my one of my sons then he tried to kill another one of my sons so I'm fighting the state you know here I am trying to fight all this stuff what am I fighting I certainly wasn't fighting for my own kids Because none of this would have happened had I been fighting for those first five kids. And that's a guilt I don't think will ever go away. So here I am in Texas, going out with my friends, having an affair, spending money, doing everything I could to get out of here. Was it my kids' fault? No. I didn't know what was going on at the time. You know, I've explained it as I felt like there were claws at my back that I was trying to get away from. And, you know, there were. I got to the point I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle it. And I became someone that I'm not. I'm a completely different person today. But I remember people were trying to get my attention in ways that should have been in my opinion should have been in a different manner because what happened when they're trying to warn me about things I would lash out at them yeah I was lashing out at people in very inappropriate ways family members and I hurt them deeply I hurt my kids I remember I fled to Thailand where I was promptly abducted. Um, I thought I had my bases covered. I thought I was going for a job. I wasn't checking people out. I thought I'd check this person out. I thought that this was legit. I asked my kids about it. They're like, mom is once in a lifetime thing, but I wasn't thinking clearly, you know, I don't think I, I don't know if I ever thought clearly. Um, Or as clearly as I am now. So I took off. And it ended up being a very bad situation. And I came back. And I remember one of my sons looking at me and saying, Why did you even come back? I'm like, well, because it's my house. And it was a bad situation. But yeah, that hurt him. He was lashing out with anger. He was lashing out with hurt. And... I think about that now that's, that sticks with me. And I still didn't really have a clue about what was happening. I ended up filing for divorce. I moved out of my house, abandoning my kids the way I had been abandoned as a child, moved out of my house into an apartment, which was, you know, just a mile from my house, two miles from my house, but I still abandoned my children, abandoned my house, abandoned my husband, abandoned myself. And I thought I was free, but I wasn't. I was trapped still in the confines of a person that didn't know what in the hell was going on in their life. And it was upside down. Now, when I say taking accountability, I need to take accountability for making my kids feel, feel less than. I need to take accountability for my, my children feeling that other things were more important. I need to take accountability for my kids and my husband thinking that they didn't matter to me. At that point in time, self-preservation was what was on my mind, and I was going about it in all the wrong ways. I need to count, take into uh, I need to take accountability for lashing out at family members in a very inappropriate way, in a very public forum. I need to. No matter what was pushed to trigger that in me, it was wrong of me to do that. You know, I am mortified by some of my posts that come up in memories on Facebook. And I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I posted that. I can't believe I did. I mean, my life right now is a whole big bunch cluster of, I can't believe I fill in the blank. Thank goodness for really starting to dig into therapy. You know, I, when I divorced my husband, I ended up getting married again. Bad decision, bad, bad decision. You know, I always seemed to be in relationships with people I knew could not meet. How do I say this? I don't want to be offensive, but I need to get a point across. I ended up in relationships that were not good for me because I didn't think I was I deserved better. I didn't think I deserved a better relationship. So I ended up in this relationship that was just absolutely horrible. I ended up having things stolen. I ended up it was just a mess. It was a repeat, although very condensed version of my entire life. I got that out of the way. And that's when I really started looking at myself and realizing, you know what? I can do this on my own. Now I have a family member that's kind of been in and out of touch with me on the phone. And I have to admit that I would love to be in touch with this person. I understand their fear because I was a very irrational person at one time. Am I still? Oh, I'm sure there are people that can push my buttons you know, from time to time, but I really try to think through things now. I'm trying to see things from other people's perspectives. I'm healing. I just got out actually before I filmed this. I had a session with my psychiatrist and he's like, Terry, you're doing so well. You have come so far. And my last uh, session with my, well, that was with my psychiatrist. The last session with my therapist was about the same thing. I've been with them for about 11 years. So I've been in therapy for 11 years, really hot and heavy for the last five, and it's paying off. My therapist was saying that he gets frustrated sometimes because people don't actively participate in their healing process. I did. I had no choice because I had destroyed my life. I had destroyed everything. I was the reason, ultimately, I know there are mitigating circumstances. I know there were other things in play. But ultimately, I pulled the trigger on my life because I wasn't educated enough emotionally. My emotional IQ was low. I didn't want to look at the things that were haunting me. I didn't want to look at how I overreacted to my parenting skills from the way I was raised because I didn't want to look at the way I was raised. You know, my therapist would say, let's talk about your childhood. And I'm like, oh, it was perfect. Perfect mom, perfect dad. Well, guess what? It wasn't. It sucked. I mean, there were were great parts of it. And I love my parents. I think that was a big breakthrough for me is, when I realized I could love my mom and dad and still admit for my mental health purposes where their shortcomings were. You know, my dad's alcoholism, my mother's emotional abuse and neglect. My dad's continually, I know this was his job, but as a little kid, when your dad leaves every month, And leaves you with someone that is going to lock you out of the house. That's abandonment. And that's pretty scary stuff. Well, guess what? I thought I changed the game. I didn't. I abandoned my kids. And I have left them scarred for life. And my hope is that they can find it within themselves. To get the healing they need. I love them so much. I may never see them again. And that's something I've come to terms with. You know, I have beautiful grandkids that I love unconditionally. I may never see them again. But one thing's for certain, you can never tell them I don't love them. I have my granddaughter's portrait tattooed on my thigh. And I've started a birth month flower garden on my leg for my other grandkids. Who is going to do that that doesn't love their grandchildren? Now, I know, you know, my kids are acting out of hurt. They're acting out of pain. They're acting out of my abandoning them. One day they may forgive me or they may not. And I'm at a point right now where I realize that's their choice and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Now, this other person that's kind of come in and out of my life is someone that would I was very close to for a, for most of my life, and you know, I I think it's and I I was a part of this. You know, this blocking, this unfriending, all of this stuff on Facebook, and how childish is that? I mean, when you really look at it, unless somebody is being like stalky, creepy, you can unfollow them, you can unfriend them, but you know. It's created such a toxic culture in our life. This person started following me on Instagram under a different account than they were following me under, and I've requested to follow them, and that hasn't been answered yet. I know that's really childish of me, but I think that's that little girl still wanting to know that someone in my family of origin cares about me. But it's frustrating because I see them commenting on things, or not commenting, but liking certain posts or and wanting to keep up with my life and what's happening, but yet I'm not allowed to do the same with them. And that's really hard, but I have to also realize, hey, they've got to learn to trust you again because I was very untrustworthy for a very long time. I was completely out of bounds. Always out of limits. I was messed up. You know I'm still messed up. I can't think. I tell I tell Jeff the other night, I can't remember what it was. You know, my mind I feel is in chaos all the time because I have like a million things I need to do and I can't prioritize them or I'm losing my phone constantly or you know, things like that. And it's like, I hate being me. That's something else I need to take accountability for, as I need to stop saying or thinking, I hate being me. Because in reality, I'm pretty cool. I am funny. I've got a good personality. I love people. I have learned boundaries. I have started getting rid of the creepsters. I don't engage in conversation because I used to because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And then what happened was I got myself in a big mess because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings because I was the people pleaser. You know, I have all these different parts of my personality that I feel are finally coming together and it's good and I like it. And I think taking accountability and really looking at the things that I've done makes me want to do better. Better. It makes me want to jump higher. It makes me want to grow more. It's made me much more compassionate. As I said, I had very rigid lines for a very long time. And that was wrong. The world is not black and white. The world is very fluid. There are very gray areas. And you cannot just have this fence that's going down the line. I'm thankful for things that have happened for my growth. I'm thankful I can disagree with someone and still love them. I'm thankful I can disagree with someone and still be friends with them and still have respect for their opinions. I'm thankful that I can see all of this. I'm thankful that I can realize how I have harmed my kids and I am sure that there are more ways that they could let me know, mom, this happened, mom, this happened, this happened, this happened. Some of them I would know and some of them I'm sure I wouldn't have a clue that I did because I was on autopilot, which is absolutely no excuse. You know, it's, it's just one of those things that is mind-boggling to me how I could come out of an upper-middle-class family that by all appearances seemed like the perfect family and have nothing right, do all the wrong things in raising my kids except for, you know, making holidays good, making sure that they got what they wanted on their birthday, celebrating my grandkids, making sure I was there with my daughter for most most of her surgeries, you know, things like that. I know I did right, but they're so hurt and they're so angry. They're not going to see any of the tries. They're going to see only the fails and I can't blame them. And you know what? I'm glad that they're doing that. I'm glad that they can see that. I'm glad they're seeing the failures because I didn't. I blocked my childhood out for so long and it destroyed me. My fear is I was so overboard that the pendulum swung the complete opposite way. And the damage I did to my kids is irreversible. That's what I worry about. You know, the damage I did to my family members is irreversible. I have a mountain to climb. I can honestly say I'm at a place in my life where I'm peaceful with my life. I'm going to Greece in May. My birthdays have always been chaos. And I'm going to Greece in May alone for my birthday. And I'm really looking forward to that. I know I need alone time. I am at a place in my life where I can trust myself going out of the country that I'm not going to get into trouble, that I'm not going to do something stupid, because I'm thinking through even spending $5 now where I didn't do that before. I mean, I I dropped $2,000 on a a handbag. That's ludicrous. That's absolutely ludicrous. You know, I, I just, I look at my life and I'm thankful I came through it. I feel very guilty that my kids suffered at my emotional immaturity, at my breaking at my not being able to say no, at my having to run, at my adopting kids and not taking care of the ones I already had, of putting them in a situation for other kids to hurt them. I think everyone has regrets. The thing is, what are we going to learn from it and how are we going to change it? I have to be at peace with mine, realizing them, And realizing my family may never come back together, and I'm peaceful with that. It would be nice, but you know what? They've got to make their own decision. And I also don't want to be in a position where I'm going to be bringing chaos back into my life because the chaos is out of my life. So whatever damage I did, I hope that they can get rectified. And if I can be a part of that, I'll be happy to do it. But they need to heal. I need to be able to realize I did the best I could with what I thought I had. I messed up. And if they don't come back, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. For a long time, it wasn't okay. But the last few years, I've been okay. I've been okay. But I think that's, what else do I need to be accountable for? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff, but I guess that's most of it. You know, taking accountability of allowing myself to get out of control, of allowing myself to put blinders on, of allowing myself to hurt other people, people that meant the most to me. That's what I need to take accountability for. What do you need to take accountability for? Let me know if you want. I have a secondary line that is just for business. I actually texted my son on it earlier today. I have his dog um, that I've had in my garage forever, and for him uh, to arrange for him to come pick it up, but. I also, this is a work number, it is not my personal number, but if you have ideas for it, things that you would like to see, if you have a comment that you don't want to leave out in the public, feel free to text this number. The number is 503-770-8699. Once again, that's 503 503- 770 With that, I think we'll wrap it up for this session of Digging Through Dominoes. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your support. Until next time. See ya.